Hello, friends. I have amazing news. We have a sponsor, a real honest-to-goodness American company making a quality product that we are happy to endorse. The name of the company is Bloom Farms Wellness. They make CBD products, balms, tinctures, vapes. They send us a bunch of samples, and I'm happy to say they're totally delightful. They have a dream tincture to help you sleep, get a good night's sleep full of rest. That works. I tried that. Also, the other day, I decided to repair a tape recorder that I bought as a swap meet. Sometimes I get a little stressed out or a little on edge when I'm dealing with old electronic equipment. I decided, you know what? Bloom Farm sent me all this stuff. Let me hit this vape pen real quick. They sent me something called the Highlighter Vape Pen. Let me take a little peep off this pen and maybe it'll put me in a mellow mood as I deal with this old tape recorder. And it totally worked. I mean, obviously, it's eventually it wore off and then I was stressed out again and I put in the Joni Mitchell tape that I wanted to listen to and the tape recorder ate the tape. And then I tried to take the battery compartment out and I wound up breaking it with a pair of pliers, but whatever. That's not Bloom Farm's fault. That's my own fault. While I was hitting that vape pen, everything was a-okay with that tape recorder. The products are grown and produced in the USA. No solvents, no additives. Beautiful packaging, by the way, if you're into that type of stuff. Best of all, Bloom Farms has a give-back program. For every product they sell, they donate a healthy meal to uh, someone experiencing food insecurity in California. To date, they have donated 3 million meals since 2015. Good stuff. Do you want to get in on this? Here's the website, bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM. Gets you 15% off your order. I'm going to say it one more time. Bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM for 15% off your order. The quality CBD products available at Bloom Farms Wellness. Thanks for sponsoring our podcast and thank you for the lovely merchandise. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on current events and political outcomes. This is a historic episode, and as far as we know, this is the first time it has ever happened. Friends, we are podcasting from space. We are on Spaceship Two Unity. This is Richard Branson's spaceship, and we are all going to space, and we're having a blast. By the time you hear this, of course, we'll be back on Earth, but we will have a totally new perspective, which we can't wait to share with you. Um, but we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, and we're floating in space with Richard Branson, who's so kind to let us come up here. Uh, my name is Astronaut Reese, <laughs> and I'm joined by two fellow astronauts in the podcasting world. Astronaut Starley Kine. Hello, Starley. Hi. And astronaut John Kimball. Hi, John. Hi. I can't believe it. We're actually in space. What do you guys think? It's nice. It's cool. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Man has always gazed to the stars because he thought they would be cool. It feels a lot like being in an elevator. It is kind of an elevator. Yeah, the aesthetics on the inside of the spaceship are not terrific, but it was a free flight. I can't turn down a free flight. I mean, we're in coach, obviously. Richard Branson is in a different part of the spaceship. Who knows what amenities he enjoys. And John, what do you think of it? Is it what you thought it would be? Uh, Put down your phone, stop playing GeoGuessr, and, and just acknowledge that you're in space and how nice it is. What if GeoGuessr went, you know, for the galaxy and it would put you in different places in the galaxy? That's an idea right there. Uh, okay. Dork. It's, uh, yeah, it's great. I love the zero gravity. It's really fun. And the view is is neat. And the ride up was exciting. It was really of, exciting. Because we were going fast. Mach 2. We were, we were going Mach 2 miles per hour. One of the highest miles per hour you can go. 
John, you could play GeoGuessr out the portholes. Oh, yeah. I could dominate that. You think so? You could be like, that's Africa. That's North America. Well, you got to be more specific than that. Anyone can do that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Or like, that's star 1,073. Oh, uh, yeah. That I would be bad at. At first. At first, you'd be bad, but I bet you'd get good at it long, if we've stayed in space long <laughs> enough. That's true. I mean, one of the reasons that we have totally done a 180 since last week and the three of us are now totally in favor of privatized space exploration and space tourism is that we have been convinced through a long conversation with Sir Richard Branson, our new friend, mm -hmm. that people going into space will have a greater appreciation for space travel and science and they will learn the name of the planets and they might even learn the names of the stars. They might even learn the names of the galaxies and solar systems that bedevil our universe. So... We are here on a goodwill mission to propagandize space travel to all of you naysayers, you earthworms. That's what we astronauts call people who've never been to space. Are we astronauts now we're that astro we've Everyone done on this fucking spaceship is an astronaut. We're in space, ma'am. That means we're an astronaut. Forever? Yeah, it's, life it's a lifetime title, like president. Oh, wow. He does want to contribute to children's education by everyone knowing the name of the galaxies and the solar systems and planets. But it's going to be easier for kids because— Pretty soon, they're all going to be named Amazon, Virgin, PayPal. Like, they're just Tesla. Keep going, Starly. <laughs> Wasn't he PayPal in the beginning? <laughs> yeah, that was Pay. Yeah, it was PayPal. It was actually X.com at the beginning. That was the name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Virgin Atlantic, Virgin America. It is a great opportunity for children to learn facts about space, such as the first billionaire to go into space, the second billionaire to go into space. The first Russian mogul to be a passenger on a spaceship. The first American movie star to be a passenger on a spaceship. So is he the first to go into space? Because haven't a bunch of billionaires already gone up with the Russians and stuff? Yeah, but not like this. This is history. Uh, you didn't listen to anything. Di you didn't listen to anything he said at dinner, John. Because it, yeah. I didn't. When we were at dinner last night, we all went to um, <laughs> a really fancy restaurant that we're not even supposed to mention. It's so fancy. And Richard Branson, I should say, paid for everything, including three glasses of wine for yours truly. And I had an appetizer I didn't even touch because I was like, it's free. Who cares? And I threw it on the ground and stepped in it. I'd never felt such an exhilarating rush. To me, that was actually more exciting than being in space. <laughs> I will admit, I, I don't want him to hear me while I say this because he's very nice to let us go on the spaceship. But me throwing those onion rings on the ground and then just grinding them into the floor with the heel of my shoe was more of a rush than even when we blasted off into space, I have to say that. It was kind of messy, though, because they didn't stay on the ground because of the, you know, the zero gravity and everything. If I had done that in space, we'd have onion rings flying around all over the place right now, oiling up all the oh, equipment. Oh, that wasn't in space? No, that was that at the was restaurant last night. Or even, do you even remember what's happened over the last 24 <laughs> hours? Do we go up in space today? I thought we'd been, it's just today that we went up? <laughs> John, we've been in space for like two hours. This is not a long flight oh, into space. Okay. I thought it was a space restaurant that we There's were, no restaurants like, in space yet. God, I'm sorry. But add that down as another fact that schoolchildren will one day learn. The first restaurant in space. John, here's, here's something we can do. I don't know if you guys know this, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, but Chris Hatfield, the famous American astronaut who sang Space Oddity by David Bowie in space and who I once interviewed for my ill-fated television program and who I found to be a— You did? I don't remember that. Oh, thanks for watching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally interviewed him. He was such a sincere, thoughtful, nice person. And he did talk about the horizon effect or whatever it's called. He talked about- Which when episode you see, was it about? 
how to go to space. Let me finish <laughs> before I recommend episodes of my TV show that I thought you would have watched out of a sense of obligation, if not pleasure. All right. It was for how to pet a dog. It was for how to pet a dog, if you must okay. know. Because I was scared of dogs, and he famously is scared of heights, and we thought it would be fun to talk to him about overcoming your fears. And he was a very busy astronaut, but he made time for the crew and I to interview him for like 20 minutes on the top of a tall building so he could talk about the fear of heights. And I was utterly charmed by him. And now he's, now he's involved in this damn Richard Branson enterprise. And again, I can't talk too loud because I don't want Sir Richard Branson to hear me from the other end of the spaceship. I mean, it is no, hella noisy up in this spaceship, I will say. It is really loud inside this spaceship. What I was going to say, John, was that Chris Hatfield was famous for singing a song in space. And now you're in space. And we had a couple listeners who really enjoyed last week's post-credit Easter egg of you singing Country Roads by John Denver. So I thought now that we're in space, you could pull a Chris Hatfield and sing a song in space. Ah. Sing Mother by Danzig in space. Go. Mother. Something children gonna walk on by. What is that? I, I... Just sing Country Roads again. Just give them what they want. We're no. shameless. We're in space. Just sing Country Roads again. Country Roads. No, start at the beginning. Almost heaven. West Virginia. West Virginia. Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. I always want to say valley. Don't. I always want to say Shenandoah. Life is old here. Older than the trees, younger than the mountain, blowing in the breeze. Country roads, take me home. Fuck to you the all, place. cause we're in I space, belong. almost heaven, out of space, mama, mama, fuck the earth, later for you. <laughs> that was good. It's especially poignant to sing that in space because we're so far from any country road. There are no roads up here in space. How far are we, like 50 miles? Yeah, it's about 50 miles up. We're not going into deep space. We're not? No, we're not, John. <laughs> we're not going to deep space. Oh, okay. Also, Sir Richard Branson is always a little, he's always like positioned where he's in front of us. So he's always a little bit further in space than we are. Oh, that's true. Unless we went backwards, he'll always be deeper. We will never get yeah. as far into space yeah. as Sir Richard Branson. Oh, we should storm. Let's storm the cockpit. So that means his time is different than us because, yeah, the further out in space you are, the something about time. He's 13 hours ahead of us. No, I don't think it's that. But he is ahead of us. He's deeper in space than we are. It's like how the people in first class on an airplane, they always arrive at the destination before the rest of us schmucks back in coach arrive at the destination. I never thought of that. He's getting younger. He's not aging as much. Wait, if we stay up here long enough, we'll get young? Mm-hmm. Being in space is like smoking a cigarette. Each minute in space takes 13 minutes off your life. <laughs> Wait, so the guy who was up here, who's now been immortalized in that f famous Twitter thread, the guy who lived for a year in space, the longest living in space, is yep. he? did he de-age? He came yes. back to Earth the he, night before he left to go to space. 
Hmm. No, he did not de-age that much. And I'm certain that there are some of our listeners that could tell us how much younger you get. It has nothing when- to do with space. It has to do with approaching C, the velocity of light. That's what it is. It's the speed of light. And we're, we're, we're going fast. We're going Mach 2, a wonderful speed, but we'll never get close to the speed of light. But I think, you know, they have to reset the geosynchronous uh, satellites because they're going actually at a little bit different space-time than we are on Earth. It's very, 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 very small. Yeah, it's not enough that you would ever notice. Right. It's like in Ferris Bueller when they put the brick and they try to take the miles off, but it doesn't work. Nope. No. And neither does kicking the front of it and having it go through a glass pane, and that didn't work. Well, that probably obscures that they had high mileage. (laughs) Right. It probably did solve the original problem. (laughs) That is a good point. It did. It covered up the original crime. Yeah. So now that everyone knows that we're in space, that's a little context for this week's episode. We just mm-hmm. wanted to talk about a couple we're things. We're still the same, though. We're the we're same. The same. We're the same. I mean, yeah, even, we're, I mean, now, even though we're astronauts We're now. still humble. We are having a perspective yeah. and an experience that most of you will never have. Mm-hmm. But it's really not going to change our personality that much. We still will make this podcast for all you miserable weirdos who are trapped on the surface of the earth. All you all you billionaire listeners. All, all you listeners who don't have... Who are not close friends with billionaires. We have reached out and touched the face of God in Ronald Reagan's immortal words, and we are now more angel than human, but we are not going to let that shift in perspective um, compromise our parasocial relationships to all of you. So having said that, there's something else going on on Earth right now as we are floating in space, and that is the 2021 CPAC conference. This, of course, is a showcase for all of conservatism's hottest stars, including former President Donald Trump, who's going to give a speech. And um, I tuned in, before we left to go onto space, we were on the launch pad and I was looking at my phone. We were all busy sending texts. You know, dear mom, if I don't come back from the space mission, I love you, please donate money to these billionaires so we can continue to explore the farthest reaches of the distant horizon. I said, "Let let me check in on CPAC. And this is true, I kid you not. I went to the CPAC website and hit the live stream event, and with 10 seconds, somebody mentioned critical race theory. I'm not exaggerating. This is true. This is grounded in reality. Everything in this episode is grounded in reality. Critical race theory is everywhere. And once I figure out what it is, I'm going to be so into it. I'm going to be <laughs> so into this thing. Because from what I understand, it is simultaneously being taught in law schools and elementary schools. It's everywhere. And what is it? <laughs> is it about the space race? Is it critical space race theory? No. You need to bring a lawyer or an elementary school student oh. on to explain it to us. I would love to know if Beckett is just getting pounded by critical race theory propaganda in, in middle school or high school. Or however, I can't remember if Beckett is 11 or 17. But any kids out there <laughs> who listen to our podcast and are getting an earful about critical race theory as part of your school, you pledge allegiance to the United States and then you recite some hardcore anti-white texts. Let us know what's going on. What is the scene with critical race theory? Have you heard of it? Do you know what it is? Are your parents scared of it? What is it? Because it sounds terrifying, according to CPAC. I also saw Lauren Boebert, Colorado representative, do a bit. I guess it was like a stand-up routine. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I did. Was her body language pretty normal, John? And pretty making you feel pretty comfortable? talking about how we're going to reject government handouts and government welfare, stomping she around the stage. strutting around. around. Yeah, it was so weird. It was like, yeah. it was, it was like, 
I forced an AI to watch 10,000 hours of Comedy Central stand-up specials from the 90s, and then I generated this body language. It was really unusual. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to mention from CPAC was our boy Madison Cawthorn out in Western North Carolina. Well, first of all, before we get into Madison Cawthorn, remember how I always forget what J.D. Vance looks like, and then I see a photo of him, and then I text the two of you with an exclamation point, and then you write back and say, you did this six months ago? You always forget what he looks like? It's our memento. Exactly. Did you, Do you know what Madison Cawthorn sounds like? Have you ever heard Madison Cawthorn, the ultimate badass? Have you ever heard his speaking voice? Is it weird? It's low. I was like, is this James Earl Jones talking right now? <laughs> God damn. He sounds amazing. This is what we call an opera, the basso profundo. Listen to this quote from Madison Cawthorn, who was the opening speaker, I think. This is a quote from him about when Biden said, we need to go door to door and tell your neighbors to get the second follow-up to this vaccine or we're going to be fucked all over again. Madison Cawthorn, think about the mechanisms they would have to build to be able to actually execute that massive of a thing. And then think about what those mechanisms could be used for. They could then go door to door and take your guns. They could go door to door and take your Bibles. Now, my voice might be a hair lower than Madison Cawthorn's in that humorous recitation of his quote, but those words are all real. They could come door to door and take your guns. And when you think it couldn't get any work, first they come door to door and they say, hello, excuse me, have you gotten your second, I'm your neighbor, have you gotten your second vaccine dose? You should probably get it. It'll make it a lot more effective and we'll keep our community safe. You think it can't get any worse. And then they say, oh, and by the way, do you have any guns in your home? Because you need to give those to me right now. I'm taking your guns. You go and give them your guns. You're crying now. You're bereft. All your phallic prophecies are now in the hands of your neighbor. Your family is unprotected. And then you're weeping. And then your neighbor leans in for the kill and says, I'm not just taking your guns. I'm taking your Bibles. I want you to go back into your house and round up every single fucking Bible in this house and put them in a bag and give them to me right now. And I'm going to chop them up and turn them into some kind of funky soup. Or, or um, probably <sighs> marijuana. Marijuana. I'm going to turn your Bibles into marijuana <laughs> cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Jazz mm-hmm. cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Ecclesiastes. We smoke in Ecclesiastes tonight. Rolling a big yeah. fat blunt. Listen yeah. to some classic Bay Area hip hop from the 90s and just smoke Ecclesiastes down to the ash. And when we're done with that... We're going to take a nice apple pipe and we're going to stuff it full of Deuteronomy. Then we're going to smoke Deuteronomy and get high as hell. Mm-hmm. And when we're done with Deuteronomy, we're going to Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Ezekiel, everything. Ruth. You were smoking it all. The yeah. sticky icky. Well, you would have to do it in that order because you can't take the Bibles before the guns. Because if they have the gun, they could pull out the guns to stop you from taking their Bibles. That's right. If you just if you just ask them for their guns, not even ask, say, I'm taking your gun, they'll be so cut off guard that they won't think to use those guns. Right. Even though that's the whole point of the guns. But once they said, we're taking your Bibles too, if you still had your guns, you would have come to your senses. Well, this is what happens. And, and I'm sure this yeah. is why, even though people are making fun of Madison Cawthorn for perhaps flirting with hyperbole in his in his thought mm-hmm. experiment here, it actually makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Because when I go to my neighbor and say, hey, have you gotten the follow-up to your vaccine? You really should do that for the health of our community. Give me your guns. And they're mm-hmm. pan- they're like, okay, here's all my guns. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then yeah. you say, now give yeah. me your Bibles. They instinctively are going to reach for their holster. Mm-hmm. But their holster mm-hmm. will be empty. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, are you looking for something? And then I'll hold up the gun and kind of wave it in their face in a kind of obnoxious manner. John, what's going to happen with Madison Cawthorn? Is Jasmine Beach Ferrari going to beat him or what? No, no, she's not. I mean, it's just... Fuck my life. It's because of the district. Unless there's going to, unless they're going to, you know, redraw the districts, then, yeah, he's going to win, even though we don't want him. But who knows? Maybe he, maybe something cataclysmic, maybe some, maybe a game changer has happened while you've been in space. That's true. Oh, we're, look. Oh, yeah. like he, like he did something embarrassing. Yeah, 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 maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe a Republican politician did something embarrassing and then they resign in shame. Speaking of which, I sold my Matt Gates shares, my yes shares, and him still being on the chair, the House Judiciary Committee. So yeah, you made money. I made money on him. Yep. Yeah, I think I sold mine too. How much money did you make, David? I can't remember. Like ten dollars. You know, being up here in space with Richard Branson. What did and you the- sell at? I sold mine too at eighty-three cents, and now he's at eighty-eight. What did I Left sell? Five dollars on. on the table. I sold at eighty-six. Sorry. Why is he surging? Because people are starting to realize, oh, he's probably going to make it. He's. It, it, we're getting closer and closer to September 1st. And there's August and, recess, so there's really only two more weeks. He's not going yeah, anywhere. He's still he survived, on, just on. like Cuomo survived. Yeah. I did um, sell Catherine Garcia right before they announced Eric Adams till I broke even. So that's good. Could have been worse. I mean, yeah, it could have been better. I'm up just a little, little bit in J.D. Vance, my favorite politician, Mm -hmm. to be the 2022 Ohio Republican Senate nominee. Mm -hmm. He's at 31 cents, just behind Josh Mandel at 36 cents. J.D. Vance is having a lot of fun. This felt like the week where everyone realized J.D. Vance is a total douchebag. He started provoking people on Twitter. He said, serious question, is really dangerous. I have to, actually, you know what? I'm going to read it. This is one of those tweets I had to take a screenshot of. This is J.D. Vance. While I look for this tweet, John, I want you to answer me a simple question. Mm-hmm. Does J.D. Vance have a beard or not? You were talking about how he looks <laughs> so good with a beard, but his Twitter avatar, yeah. he doesn't have a beard. What's going on? Does he have a beard or not? I think he has a beard. Well, he, you should tell that to his Twitter avatar. Your Twitter avatar is not necessarily your, your live picture. But it tends to be the picture of the person you want to be. Your best self. Here's the J.D. Vance tweet, Starly. You're going to rate this tweet okay. on a scale from one to ten stars. Stars, I know a lot about stars because we're in space. We're surrounded by stars. How many of these stars would you give to J.D. Vance's tweet? Here it is. Serious question. I have to go to New York soon, and I'm trying to figure out where to stay. I've heard it's disgusting and violent there. But is it like Walking Dead season one or season four? Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I wonder where he'll. I wonder where he'll stay. I wonder if he'll stay in a shitty motel. He does have the beard now. I just want to say he does have the beard. <laughs> he does have the beard. Yeah, he as of July first, he ha- he has a beard. Okay. Who's coming for New York post pandemic? Can't do it. Too soon. Can't even come for New York after nine eleven ever. Wait, you really? If John Kimball says that, I mean, I John Kimball, you yeah. were sending me photos of all these flooded subway stations being like, <laughs> "LOL, New York's gaining." LOL, nice yeah. info, New York. Are you no, the only I one who's make, allowed to come for New York? I come for New York because I love New York. Mm. Oh. But the thing is, J.D. Vance loves New York, too. I mean, what the fuck? You think he wants to go s- sleep under the table of some Applebee's in rural Ohio? No, of course not. He wants to stay at a fucking fancy hotel in New York. He probably loves New York more than the three of us put together. Because he's probably had seen a side of New York that we would never see in our wildest fantasies. 
yeah, he's had he's he's come to New York after having a TV show optioned and made. That's the, how you want to come to New York. JD Vance had a TV show optioned. Well, no. What's the what's the hillbilly elegy? It's a movie. Oh, I thought it was a TV. I thought it was a miniseries. No, it was a movie. But he's been on all these shows because he was yeah. promoting that. He was like on uh, Seth Meyers and Hillbilly Elegy. Is one is a single movie. Starley's mind being blown, not by being in <laughs> space, but by the fact that Hillbilly Elegy is a single film. I mean, I guess Glenn Close did get nominated at the Oscars. Yeah, but um, it's just one movie. I just it's, well, first it was a book. It was a best-selling book that everybody loved, and then it was a movie that nobody loved. Mm-hmm. And now J.D. Vance is going to be a senator. And you know what? I'm kind of starting to, th- I'm starting to think he's not going to win. He's not going to do it. Was Hillbilly Elegy, would it have come out in theaters if COVID didn't happen? Like it would have been a movie that people went yes, to see? Yes, it was a total Oscar bait movie. I know, but I just don't, like there could have been a weekend where me and my friends would be like, I guess we're going to go, see, we're gonna, come, hurry, hurry, the 8, 7.30 showing, we can't be late for Hillbilly Elegy. Right. That was going to happen if COVID didn't hit? If it wasn't for COVID, you and your friends definitely would have gone to the 7.30 showing of Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> I don't... And you probably would have stayed for the 9.40 showing. You'd be watching the closing credits. Tears would be streaming down your face and you would say, I understand. I finally understand. I understand why Trump won. I understand the dire straits of the white working class. I love J.D. Vance. I want him to be my senator. I'm going to move to Ohio and do everything I can to help him. I'm just. Ha- I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around it. What did you think Hillbilly Elegy was? A miniseries on Showtime. A Showtime miniseries. <laughs> wow, you biffed it. No. And then when you said last week that the, the Glenn Close played his like mama or ma- Mima, she's Mima. Mima. Then I was like, that was a new piece of information, but I, that still I folded that in well, nicely, fine, fit fine into my show. Time miniseries. You were thinking it was something like Ozark. Isn't that something? Not Ozark. <laughs> oh. It would be amazing if Hillbilly Elegy was Ozark. <laughs> if you want to understand why Trump won, watch Ozark. <laughs> no, a Showtime miniseries, a limited run. What is Ozark? Is that not a Showtime or is that HBO? Ozark is Netflix. This would be Showtime and it would be limited, more like Mayor of Easttown, but on Showtime. Mm. Like six episodes. Six to eight. Ron Howard should be shunned forever by the Hollywood establishment for for helping enable J.D. Vance. So, the straw poll at CPAC. This is interesting. Do you know who won this, the straw poll today, John, at CPAC? This affects the predicted market. John? I assume that Trump won. He did. Guess what his numbers were? Uh, 58%. 70%. What? Yeah. Ron DeSantis, second place, 19%. Wow. Now, the first CPAC this year, earlier this year, Donald Trump only won by 55% to DeSantis, 21%. So Trump has gained 15 points in the CPAC straw poll in the past year. And of course, his speech was all about the Rigged election, and why can't we let all the, why don't we free all the political prisoners, the January 6th rioters? This dude's going free Mumia on all these, on all these QAnon people. So, uh, on, on Predict It, where I have long held this, the position that he will not be the GOP 2024 nominee, I am again, once again, underwater. People are excited about this straw poll result. 
Donald Trump is going to lead the GOP for the foreseeable future. Everyone like J.D. Vance will have to pretend they've agreed with him and apologize for disagreeing with him. And uh, I hope it's going to be I- uh, it's going to be Trump Biden in 2024. No, <laughs> don't you think that he, once he realizes that he's lo- well, maybe he won't believe the polls. Uh, but what, if the polls show that Biden's going to beat him, don't you think he can't handle getting beat again? He knows he won't lose because the, all these Republican state houses will just give him the election. I think maybe it could be a good thing for us. Him running again? It, not, uh, not, not mentally, no. not emotionally. No. Don't you think you think he would win if he ran again? No, I don't think he'd win. But even if he loses, it's not going to be good. It's not good okay. to have him anywhere. No, you're right. Okay, I'm not saying it's good. Yes, you're right. But they're not letting him go. The further that they go with this, the longer they're going to put off like forming a party, being a party. It's not. This isn't. It's not working. And I, it, I feel like it might be able to buy a little time, just in the sense of. Maybe we can get things done while they don't have a working party of any kind. I agree with that, but the uh, but a non-functioning Republican party in the long run is really bad for the country. But Even if Democrats them- are continue to win over and over and over, they're just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. I actually want a Republican party that's functional and that could even win. But what's going to make you. that happen? I'm so tired yeah. of that take. Yeah. Who are you, Nancy Pelosi? We need, yes, we need, we need Republicans to help to protect us from doing the things our constituents want us to do. Why do we need a functional Republican Party so they can rein in the crazy impulses of the woke left who don't want their bridges and roads to collapse? This Republican Party isn't working for for us for anyone. But what's going to happen to make them suddenly be a functional party? Like, they're choosing to go down this path. The, the way that they've acted since he's been out has been even more reprehensible than when he was in. They don't want to be a party. I, I think I agree with you. I don't think there's any evidence that they are trying to moderate themselves in any way. And so in that time, I don't want, last, I don't ever want to see him again. And I don't think we'll, we would survive as a nation watching him do another we couldn't handle that. But in this window, isn't there some wiggle room to get some things done in this rare time when there's no f- functioning? But there is a functioning party. Their function is just to, just to you Extract. know, sabotage the Biden agenda. Yeah, the theory is that the Republican Party, if they're interested in winning again, will move to the center and that way they'll capture enough of the electorate to be able to win, but they just have not done that. They because continue they are, to go right and continue to lose. So it's just that they're no longer playing electoral politics. Right. Yeah. The way they're going to win is not by coming up with policy positions that people want to vote for so that they win elections. The way they're going to win is just to run the state houses and throw out election results they don't like. They don't want to do the work is what it is. Well, they're doing they the actually- work. They're doing a lot of work. It's just not the type of work that we Mm-mm. associate with Democratic Government. No, I'm talking like do, doing the work, like like t- t- the inner work. The what do what do we want to be as a party? No, they're doing that work. We they, we know what they they are a party of white grievance. They are doing the work. The obstruction and the nihilism is a positive vision. 
their their policy is we are an anti-democratic, anti-multicultural society party now. We are a party of white grievance, and that's our policy position. And then marginal tax rates, you know, because our voters don't pay attention to that shit and don't care anymore because all they're because they're just about feelings now. We're a party of like angry feelings. Culture and culture war more than ever before, more than Murphy Brown. I mean, all this stuff makes, I mean, shout out to Dan Quayle and the Murphy Brown Wars of the 80s. That was kind of incredible. Remember that? Yeah. I don't think anyone listening will remember that, but. uh, Talk about a good old fashioned cozy culture war. For those old heads who were in the trenches back in the early culture wars of the 90s. Yeah. Pour one out for the casualties of the Murphy Brown culture war. Murphy Brown having a baby out of wedlock. Oh, Murphy Brown. Now it's all critical race theory. Critical race theory is the new Murphy Brown. And the white grievance is just keep things as it's just MAGA. And that's when it should, that's when progress should have stopped. And anything past that that takes jobs and power away from white people is bad. Yeah. If they come to your door to remind you to get the second dose of vaccine, they could come take your Bible. Like that's the that's like a mainstream Republican talking point now from one of the from one of the members of Congress. I know, but that's still them not coming up with anything new. They're not coming up with a single new thing to fix the people that to help the people that they have shown that they're the only, the only people that they show that they care and about. And what I'm saying is that this idea that oh they're not serious because they're not proposing policy solutions to better the mm-hmm. lives of their constituents. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is their constituents don't want that stuff. They don't want policy solutions. They want permission to be angry and hateful. And mm-hmm. the Republican Party can serve its constituents' desires the best by giving them that permission to be aggrieved and hateful all the time. Right. That's what they right. want now. I used to believe right. in Thomas Frank and what's the matter with Kansas and that whole that whole model mm-hmm. of, oh, the GOP is really pulling on a trick on their voters because they distract them with culture wars and actually vote for things that aren't in the voters' material interests. But I've come around now. I kind of don't believe in that theory anymore, which is that there's- yeah. You used to believe in it. I remember when I read yeah. that book and you gave me a rough time. Well, that's David. Really? Yeah. Maybe I was just I was being like, contrarian yeah, against my- a pretty good book. And you were kind of like, dude- Sorry, I might have just been been a contrarian asshole for affect in our relationship. No, but I think you were right. They don't care about, they just want to have their feelings. That's all the party has to give but them. Space to about, legitimize their feelings. And that's what they're right. getting. But that's, that's what I mean about not doing the work. But that is it's, the work. There's no, no other it's secret not the work. work they have to do. It's not the work. The work, I'm talking about the work is... Pushing past those feelings and being like, yeah, it's so easy to have those. It's so easy to have those feelings and to luxuriate in those feelings. They they have those feelings because they don't want to. They don't want things to be hard, and so they don't want to have to like try new things and fear being rejected and fear not being good at things and entering a whole new landscape where they might not fit in. So like the, the work is accepting that things are going to be hard, but it's worth it. Like, that is preferable why to, in like, the, Why in a million years would some random GOP voter decide to do a bunch of personal work to reconcile themselves with the fact that the future is going to be hard when they can just nominate a man who goes on TV and screams hate all day? Because it doesn't... It can't feel good at, for in a sustained way for this long. Um, <laughs> I think it feels pretty good. I think Trump is going to live to be 122 years old. It's like the elixir of life. 
It doesn't feel good. It feels it feels something. You you have a, it makes you feel things, but it doesn't feel good. Well, it's I mean. I can't look into the state of Donald Trump's soul, but perhaps Not you're him. right. Not him. I'm saying that you said the voters. Right. The voters. Yeah. Right. We know what it feels. We know what it feels like to be to to lash out. The GOP is meeting its base where they are. That's one thing you can say about the modern GOP. They're like, okay, you're there. Okay, here we come. We're walking over there now. JD Vance walking over there. I'm sorry I ever said anything bad about Mr. Trump. He actually had a lot of great ideas. Here I am. I walked over to where you are. Please vote for me now. Because it's easy. It's easy just to do that. It's easy to just be like, it's him, that worked. Right. Because it'd be impossible. Because the reason they're not doing the other thing is because it's impossible to justify what they believe in. There's, it's impossible to justify keeping white people, the only people in positions of power. There's no actual it's agenda that they could realistically come up with to keep in place what they want to keep in place, other than cheating. Okay, we should wind down and return to Earth. And it looks like the rocket ship yeah. actually is turning, and we are... Going back to Earth. How long does it take to get back? I think it takes like 20 minutes. Yeah, you'll be back in North Carolina by end of day. Where did they land? Where did where will we land? Is that what you meant to say, John? Where will <laughs> yeah, we yeah, land? That's what I meant to say. Where will we mm -hmm. land? Uh, we'll land um, on a, a tarmac in what looks to be, or what will look to be, a sort of deserted desert area. Look at John geo-guessing our um, <laughs> um, landing. Where? New Mexico, Nevada. I can't remember. I can't remember where we are going to land, but we're going to land somewhere on Earth, and we will have achieved successful billionaire spaceflight. This is an amazing moment. The Rob Report will never be the same after this momentous thing. So thank you all for listening on our journey in space as we were the first podcast to broadcast in space. Um, we brought Dave a box set of Going Deep. John can watch that for the first time in space. We're going to watch my canceled TV show in space. <laughs> Thanks, you for everybody kept sending in questions about GeoGuessr speedruns and stuff. Good Lord. We'll get to those in a future episode. Yeah, we'll definitely get to those. Let me just say that I'm getting really good. Really? At GeoGuessr. And I still haven't played it on the laptop. Only on my phone. Are you going to play it while we're up here in space, John? Because I think that'd be a valuable use of your time I in space. I play it all the time. I dream about it. Wow. It's sick. Well, let me just say this. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production in space with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell in space with help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa in space. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. That will help fund all our future space journeys. You can send election prediction questions, skyscraper questions, skyline questions, J.D. Vance analyses to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. You want to try predictit.org? Go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. That, of course, is Earth money. Rate and review us on iTunes and this and that and blah, 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 blah. I don't care anymore. I've been to space. My whole perspective has completely changed. I have a 50-mile yeah. horizon now. Also, like... Five stars is pretty slight, considering how many stars we're looking at We're surrounded at right by now. a million like five, stars right now. Yeah. Mm. Like, I feel like the new the rating system should be started a million. Whoa. Also, stars are going to be rebranded as, as Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos. They're telling us to fasten our um, seatbelts again as we prepare for re-entry to the Earth's atmosphere. Thanks again for listening. I'm signing off. My name is as David. Goodbye, and goodbye to Starly. 
Bye. Goodbye. And goodbye to John. All right, bye. See you back on Earth. What a great bit. Yeah. Oh, another flawless bit executed by three audio professionals. 